it revealed very clearly how those politicians view women. It seems like it should be really simple to me. Either you believe women or you don't. Either you believe that women have control over their bodies and their decisions or you don't. And that vote makes clear to me where each politician stands. 50 senators voted that they didn't believe women. Or if they did believe, they just didn't care. Hello, and welcome to the 15th episode of The Broadcast, a Chicago podcast dedicated to showcasing women who are making an impact on Chicago and their communities. If this is your first time listening to The Broadcast, welcome. We're glad you found us. And for those joining us again, welcome back, and thanks so much for listening. So all of this is possible because of you and our amazing sponsors and partners. We will and Evolve Her and our podcast home, 1871, Chicago's premier hub for entrepreneurs, innovation, and technology. I'm Becky Carroll, president and CEO of C Strategies. I'm also your host. So with Brett Kavanaugh confirmed, we can hold off on our booze for now, to the U.S. Supreme Court, much of the early debate around him becoming a justice is centered around the future of Roe v. Wade, given his conservative views and past positions, of course, on choice. So for good reason, this has many women very nervous, and not just because of those views and Roe v. Wade being put at risk, but multiple allegations brought against him for sexual assault and harassment. So today I'm joined by three incredible special guests who are on the forefront of protecting access to abortion and reproductive health care options for women here in Illinois. So welcome ACLU Illinois Executive Director Colleen Connell, Personal PAC Chairwoman Melissa Wyden, and Planned Parenthood Illinois Action President and CEO Jennifer Welch to discuss the implications of Kavanaugh's confirmation we'll have on these issues. Thank you, ladies. Thank Thank you. you. So first, I just want to get your take away from the Brett Kavanaugh nomination process. You've all had time to process this now, of course, after literally all of you being on the front lines trying to to impact that and everyone, you know, kudos, of course, for doing so. But as leaders of organizations that protect women's rights, but also yourselves, what is like your take on this? So I'd like to start, if I could, I think that Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation is going to be a moment of reckoning for our country. For the last two years, women have stood up and fought back again and again as the Trump-Pence administration has tried to attack our health care and our rights. And myself, I've worked in the Violence Against Women community for nearly 30 years. And what you saw in the process of the Kavanaugh confirmation was politicians blatantly ignoring the voices of victims. And that's the part that's so distressing to me. It revealed very clearly how those politicians view women. It seems like it should be really simple to me. Either you believe women or you don't. Either you believe that women have control over their bodies and their decisions or you don't. And that vote makes clear to me where each politician stands. 50 senators voted that they didn't believe women. Or if they did believe, they just didn't care. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was pretty clear from the outcome of that for anyone, I think, at least who is a woman, but also just has <laughs> some kind of uh, a reference point for an experience with women who have been brave enough to come forward with their stories, because it's obviously not easy to do. That's that's right. And to put it in further context, like layer that on top of these last two years that the administration has spent trying to slash women's health care and rights. 
that they attempted to take away healthcare coverage for 20 million people, that they keep trying to defund healthcare at Planned Parenthood. They push abstinence-only education. Mm -hmm. They're just attacking immigrant communities, LGBT communities. So you just sort of layer these challenges on top of each other. And it seems like we're just seeing the evidence of the administration's disdain for women add up. Yes, and you deal and with all these issues we, at ACLU. We deal with all these issues <laughs> at the ACLU. And just to elaborate briefly on what Jennifer said, really this administration's approach to, to restricting the rights of women to make basic decisions about all aspects of their health care, whether we're talking about birth control, whether we're talking about abortion, whether we're talking about full options counseling, mm -hmm. whether we're talking, quite frankly, about access to health care, uh, you just couldn't be you know, more blunt in your attack on our right to make the health care decisions that are best for us. And and I think that uh, what that really reflects is, you know, a hallmark of an autocratic regime because mm -hmm. controlling women's bodies and our ability uh, to make these decisions is really, uh, uh, I think, a blatant effort to try to consolidate and retain power by, by Trump and his ilk. So let me ask you this, um, now that we're past this confirmation process and he's on the court, do you think the undoing of Roe is inevitable? And if so, how long do we have? And I'm sure there's probably already some cases before the Supreme Court. They're just waiting to get in front of them. Yes, there have been a number of states that have passed laws that they intended to be test cases because these laws restrict abortion at a time and in a manner that the Supreme Court for decades now has found to be violative of the Constitution. So yes, people in the movement for women's rights are very concerned about the future of Roe. More likely, I think, in the parade of horribles is a continuing of the whittling away of rights, particularly for more vulnerable women, low-income women, teens, married women, perhaps. And I, I, I suspect that what we will see before we see an outright overruling of Roe is court increasingly saying, well, this restriction doesn't present an undue burden. That mm -hmm. restriction doesn't present an undue burden. So we're at a situation where the court has never met a restriction that it doesn't like, and it'll be increasingly hard for women in many states to actually access basic reproductive health care. What I think is really important to underscore, particularly in a state like Illinois, though, is, and to go back to Jennifer's moment, that this is a moment of reckoning, is that we need all women to really mobilize and and use all of the tools that we have at our disposal. And I always like to say that the uh, framers got uh, to the Constitution got some things right. Mm -hmm. um, they may not have gotten it right on issues of women's rights and slavery and a whole host of other issues. But the federal Constitution is a floor, not a ceiling, of rights that can be protected. And it's really important that we remember that. And particularly in a state like Illinois, where the ACLU and its allies, uh, including Planned Parenthood and Personal PAC, but starting with the legal advocacy, mm -hmm. we've spent the last 40 years striking down in federal court or having federal court strike down 
bad abortion laws that restricted abortion rights. The last 10 years or so, we've actually been making affirmative progress to protect and expand rights, like passing of House Bill 40, Mm -hmm. which expands Medicaid funding and also makes it possible for state employees to have insurance plans that, that cover abortion. And so that kind of advocacy is increasingly important. And we, as activists here in Illinois, need to recommit ourselves not only to making Illinois a place where women can come um, for comprehensive services here in Illinois, but really see it for what it increasingly has become, which is a beacon in the Midwest as Mm -hmm. the surrounding states have gotten more and more punitive and more and more hostile to women's rights. And I was going to say, of course, we have Melissa from Personal PAC, who uh, they were, you know, kind of maybe the ringleader for trying to get HB 40 passed here, bringing together all the groups and having to raise a lot of money in order to get, obviously, that done. So so in the context of, you know, will Roe v. Wade be overturned or will be death by a thousand cuts, which is, to your point, explain to folks who may not really have been paying that close attention to what HB 40 is. How will this bill work to do just that and protecting choice in Illinois in the event that this landmark case is overturned? And can women still find themselves vulnerable here in this state in the event that it is even with HB 40? Absolutely. One of the most important things that HB 40 did was to remove what is known as the trigger law from Illinois statutes. And that law said that if Roe was overturned, then abortion would become illegal in Illinois. So the repeal of the trigger law with House Bill 40 has given women in Illinois some measure of protection in that abortion will not automatically be outlawed the Mm -hmm. moment that Roe is overturned. But that doesn't mean that the threat to women in Illinois doesn't exist anymore. We know that without the constitutional protection for safe and legal abortions that Roe afforded, there's really no limit to the laws that each state can pass and likely will pass to restrict, outlaw, and potentially even criminalize abortion. And we know that Illinois is no exception. It'll be up to the elected officials in each state to pass laws and to oppose, to pass laws to protect women's health and women's access to abortion and birth control and to oppose those laws that would put their lives and 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 health and safety at risk. And as Colleen talked about, that's why elections matter. That's why we need to make sure that we speak up, that we vote, that we consider very carefully who we're voting for, that we understand the positions of the candidates when it comes to all range of reproductive rights, and that we we really use our vote to make it known that that the people of Illinois value very dearly reproductive freedoms for women and that we are we are going to elect elected officials who are going to stand up for women and protect women women's health and women's safety. Well, what are some of those things that are putting choice at risk here in Illinois? Because you're here for a reason as well. You still have to keep outside of providing the great services you do, you're still under attack constantly. Right. And I think it's it's important to remember that there are some people who aren't elected to office that still want to dismantle the law because people who are appointed can do a lot mm-hmm. of harm as well. And we know that 
Governor Rauner appointed a person to the head of the Department of Healthcare and Family Services who voted against HB 40. Mm. So now she's in charge of implementing a law that she didn't want in the first place. And of course, that's an opportunity for it to be poorly implemented. Or sl- So there's, there's real challenges in many different layers of government here in Illinois, even with a great law like HB 40. I think the other place we have to worry about is the attorney general's office mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Because we need to make sure that our attorney general is someone who will protect HB 40. There are definitely people in the General Assembly who want to repeal that law. There was a, a bill in to repeal it, I think, moments after it was signed mm-hmm. into law. So <laughs> Thank we, you, Peter Breen, and some others. <laughs> that's yes. right. So, so that's why, again, to echo Melissa's point, we need to make sure that people are informed about their votes and that they vote to protect these new rights and access that we have with HB 40. So can Illinois continue to serve then as, I don't know if I've made up this term, but I often refer to Illinois being a sanctuary state to other Midwest states after a lot of education on the part of Terry Cosgrove, who's told me all about the data and the numbers about women who are coming here from surrounding states because their states are so much, so much more restrictive. So you think we'll be able to continue to provide that level of protection? The answer is it depends on all of us. Democracy is not a spectator sport. Uh, We have got to, you know, use the sports metaphor, get them in and get into the game and make sure, you know, first and foremost, that we educate ourselves about our choices in the upcoming election. And at every level, because there are actions that local officials take as well that affect abortion rights. For example, earlier this year, the city approved TIF, uh, tax increment funding, for a Catholic hospital or Catholic health services company that did not provide the full spectrum of mm-hmm. health care or information to women. And, and I mean, this is where I think it's really so important to stress that we're not just talking about abortion and we, we, we cannot marginalize or try to silo abortion. We're talking about the full range of women's health care, whether it's having information and access to birth control, having access to information about miscarriage management. There are hospitals and and providers in the state of Illinois that do not tell a woman when she is miscarrying. The most medically appropriate care for her to consider is immediate evacuation of the of of her uterus so that infection doesn't set in and we you know going on the continuum to abortion itself and so we um, as advocates we as voters we as um, as women, we as concerned citizens, because mm-hmm. it's not just women who are concerned about this, uh, really need to, to to be involved and demand that our um, elected, appointed officials, our policymakers, really respect the individual autonomy of each person, male and female, to make those decisions about their place in the universe. And that includes whether and when you're going to have children. And we have an obligation, I think, to protect those rights. And unfortunately, there are many people who just don't believe in that fundamental right and value. So what do organizations then, are? because I'm sure you're having this conversation with personal PAC as you're a national organization, you have local chapters, obviously, but you must be having this conversation nationally about what organizations like Planned Parenthood are having this conversation across the country because you're a national organization, obviously you have local chapters everywhere about how you're going to prepare for this fight. So so what 
are those conversations like and how do you uh, hope or expect to, you know, try to prepare for that inevitability if it comes? Right. So last last just last month, the Planned Parenthood Action Fund released a red alert report and we're highlighting that there are risks to more than 25 million women in about 20 states that are poised to overturn abortion if Roe is overturned. And I have to point out that that includes most of the states that surround Illinois. So our neighbors, Missouri, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, they're already facing a lot of barriers to Mm -hmm. care. Mm -hmm. In, In many ways, there are whole states in this country that are already living in a post row environment because the conservative politicians in their mm-hmm. state have decreased access to abortion so much. So um, we know that just a couple of weeks ago, a federal appeals court ruled in favor of a restrictive law in Missouri, and it made Missouri one of seven states in our country that only has one health clinic in the whole state providing abortion. So we know, we can sort of see pretty easily what's coming. And Planned Parenthood of Illinois, our health center side, we see firsthand the impact that these severe abortion restrictions have on women. It's not just Mm -hmm. the piece that Colleen mentioned about people traveling to Illinois for access. But we know that we have to continue to work to make sure that access stays in Illinois. And we're fortunate to have partners like Personal Plaque and the ACLU here in Illinois to make the laws that will protect access. Well, do you think, because at Personal Plaque, you're raising the funds in the Army, of course, to push back on this at the legislative level. So do you think that your donors and the communities that have have really supported you really understand what's at stake and are are ready for a battle? I hope they do. You know, we do have, there is a a very effective, strong coalition in Illinois among organizations that really work in concert to make sure voters understand what's at stake, to hold our elected officials accountable, to file the lawsuits and 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 challenge the laws. So I think we've been doing this for a long time and we are making progress, but there is there's a long way to go. There really is. I think there's a complacency among people, even supporters of reproductive rights who think, well, Roe will never go mm-hmm. away. We'll always have these rights. Yeah, things seem bad, but this is this is you know, this is the law now and it'll never change. And that's just, frankly, that's that's not accurate. And we've seen now that there's a solid conservative majority on the Supreme Court that the court will have the ability to go in whatever direction they want. And, and we know that that is going to be opposing women's fundamental rights and reproductive rights. So what we really need to focus on is understanding that the battle at the state level means we have to focus on on the elected officials that we are voting into office and to make sure that they that they support women and support women's rights and support reproductive rights and and that means that even if we're comfortable that we have a majority in Springfield that will help us defeat the anti-choice laws that that could change in 2 years and that this is a battle we have to fight 
constantly and that our opponents are not going to back down. And that means every election is critical and every vote matters. And everybody needs to understand that voting is one of the most important things we can do right now. If I could just chime in, I think that we realize now because we cannot rely on the Supreme Court, the best way to protect our access and our rights is to vote for people who share our commitment to protecting and advancing those rights. It's just become so crystal clear. And people need to get educated. They can go to Personal PAC. I'm sure they can go to Planned Parenthood and other organizations. You can get that list of those, you know, from judges to statewide electeds to Mm -hmm. legislators. And you have to make that time and and make the effort and bring people along with you. And that complacency that you mentioned is really dangerous. That's the most dangerous because we already know what the opposition is ready and willing to do, and complacency is probably what would ultimately do us in. Becky, can I add one thing of to course. the uh, the issue of complacency? I think we also have to name and own privilege. And when we are advocates for protecting reproductive rights, and this is really why House Bill 40 was so important, we have to appreciate how important access is. And the fact that even in the the bad old days pre-Roe, upper middle class women often yeah. well educated and white women we even then okay. had more even then had more access we weren't always okay but we had more access right. and for really literally millions of women across this country low income women they have not enjoyed enjoyed in air quotes the kind of access to reproductive health care since really, quite frankly, the early uh, 80s when the Supreme Court upheld state and federal bans on Medicaid funding. And so when people are advocating for abortion rights, when they're voting for candidates who protect reproductive rights, I urge people to take a comprehensive view of that and not be mollified by somebody who says, well, I support abortion rights, but not public funding, or I support reproductive rights, but not not Title X or not other supplements to help at, with access. You've got to be all in because that's the only way that that your right and my right is going right. to mean the same thing as every other person in this country, and that's hugely important. We have to challenge that kind that of privilege, privilege yes. and educate people because Oftentimes, if you don't have that shared experience, you don't understand it. Sometimes it's ignorance. It's it's not anything else. But when people do get woken up to this, the light bulb goes on it does. and they become advocates. But that's like the job of us in this room, too, to be out there and constantly preaching that. Right. And I think that people are really susceptible to elected officials' desire to try to appear moderate or like they're in the middle. And the way some people try to divide that question is to say, well, I really support the underlying right, but not funding because it's not fair to make people who are opposed to abortion Mm -hmm. fund other people's abortions. And, you know, that's just a red herring because each of us as taxpayers funds a whole lot of things. That are a um, lot more costly. That are a lot more costly. And and (laughs) And that we may have you know, real personal religious or moral objections to, Uh, you know, a list of Supreme Court precedents, you know, a mile long Mm -hmm. that say basically tough luck if you don't like supporting the military or if you don't like supporting this, except wait for it. uh, If you don't like supporting women's reproductive rights, well, okay, that's a, yeah, you know, that's a restriction we're going to, you know, we're going to recognize. So I really want people to be really sensitive and really take a look at why the full scope of rights is important. And well, I just want oh I just oh, want to yeah. add one thing to that, which is that 
that was really one of the biggest victories of House Bill 40 was was removing the ban on mm. using state Medicaid funds to pay for poor mm. women's abortions. And that is something that we in Illinois it should be. It was very intentional, of course. It, to, yes, it was. It was. It was. And in, in, there was a lot of pressure to to remove that from the bill, you know, under this sort of this the the guise of taxpayers shouldn't be paying for poor women's abortions. We know um, from the revenue notes to the bill that that House Bill 40 and having state Medicaid funds pay for poor women's abortions is not going to cost the the state any more money. So it right. is it it this is it's not an issue. It's an issue of fairness and equality and justice. And it's 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 foundational to to the fight for reproductive rights. So one last question then before we wrap, because I had a couple more and we just had such a great conversation around all this. But you mentioned that the person who's now charged with implementing HB 40 is the state doing its job so far? Do we have any data or understanding? Of um, that? The, the process has been, I think, slow in in that one of the things that we're Shocking. also uh, well, it's we're we're it b- is new, b- but still we're and we're batting <laughs> cleanup on a couple of things. Um, first, the reimbursement rates for abortion services mm-hmm. were very very low and reflected a mm-hmm. legal victory the the ACLU won twenty some years ago that required the state to pay Medicaid funding for um, medically necessary abortions, which but are more costly. I assume they can be mm-hmm. depends on on really a bunch of yeah. medical servants, uh, circumstances. But more broadly, you know, the state of Illinois. Uh, has not really adequately funded its social services, including its mm-hmm. Medicaid uh, services, for decades, a, a situation that was only compounded by two years of a budget impasse. And so part of the delay has been, you know, really working to deal with some of the internal agency issues. And many of the providers, and I'm not speaking on behalf of Planned Parenthood here, which was a Medicaid-certified provider, many of the providers were not because Mm -hmm. um, it just wasn't an option before. So why deal with the bureaucratic red tape? So um, everything else is so poorly reimbursed So, So there are definitely the challenges that Jennifer identified with respect to current director of health and family services. And, you know, some of those issues have been also exacerbated by bigger issues with the Medicaid system. If I could just, I know you want to close, no, but no, I, I think I, we want to hear what you, <laughs> you have all, to say. All of us said that this election is so important. So I want people to know that information is available to them. You can go to PPI Action. Dot org to find information about Planned Parenthood Illinois Actions endorsements and the issues that we are fighting. And I just want to make sure that people know there are resources out there to help them make these important decisions and vote like your life depends on it, because right now it, it does. does. It does. And then where can folks get a hold of information on your respective organizations? So the ACLU does not have a PAC. I mean, does not mm-hmm. endorse candidates. Right. We're nonpartisan. But if you go to our website, ACLU-IL.org on the website, we have I assume posted- provide some kind of services we do. and whatnot. We, we, right? uh, we have asked candidates for key state offices to fill out questionnaires, and we have posted the results mm-hmm. of those questionnaires there, as well as a range of other information about how to vote. And one thing that I really just want to get the message out is that Illinois is a state in which you can register to vote on election day. Yes. 
And um, in counties like Cook, you have the, um, that ability to register at basically every every precinct and every polling place on the day of election. In other areas, it's less widespread, but in every county in the state of Illinois, all 102 counties, at least one of the voting places in that county has to provide election day registration. So for people who are thinking, oh my God, the election is only 10 days away, I have haven't registered, it's too late. Not true. Not true. You can Excellent register point. on election day. Excellent point. Yeah. Thank and there's you. early voting. Yes. You can too. vote now. You can vote now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Go vote. Go vote. Yes, exactly. Personal PAC has an extensive voter's guide, um, and it's posted on our website, personalpack.org. It covers many, many state and local races, all of the constitutional officers and all of uh the, the state reps and state senators who are up for re-election as well as many other key races. And uh, the most key race again, you think? Well, we absolutely have to elect a pro-choice governor and we absolutely have to elect a pro-choice attorney general. And we have two very strong pro-choice candidates, J.B. Pritzker and Kwame Raoul. Um, and those are very, very important offices in this state to make sure that women's reproductive rights are protected. Right. Well, I want to thank you all again. This is an issue that's near and dear to my heart. It was choice that really got me engaged in politics when I was a teenager. So, you know, it all comes full circle and I always try to give it back and pay it forward. So again, thank you to our guests, Colleen Connell, Melissa Wyden, and Jennifer Welch for making this episode so engaging. And again, the broadcast is brought to you by C-Strategies OL a strategic communications and public affairs firm bringing passion and veteran experience to help clients meet their business goals. Our sponsors are WeWill, which empowers women and children to get involved in the legislative process by affording them opportunities to have their voice be heard, and Evolve Her, Chicago's first creative co-working space for women. And thank you to our podcast host, 1871. The broadcast is produced and edited by Tweed Thornton, additional editing provided by Nicholas Fedora, music by Christy Bennett's Fumi Gypsy Project. To learn more about C Strategies in the broadcast, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at C Strategies LLC or visit CStrategiesLLC.com. And thanks for listening. So come, let the world.